Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, the first episode of the 2022 NFL Draft Cycle. We're talking a little bit of recap, though, of 2021, the final one, in terms of how much we'll discuss it. Of course, during the season, we'll talk about Rockman's Rookies of the Week. We'll talk about how these picks work out, and we're going to be discussing these guys long term. But in the grand scheme of things, this is kind of the final send-off for the 2021 Draft Cycle. Nick. Obviously, you know, we got to see the whole draft. We got to see everything finally play out. Every landing spot is no longer in question. What are your final thoughts on this 2021 NFL draft and just kind of how it went for you in terms of the entire process? Well, it, it was interesting. Uh, first off, the first round, they need to do something about the fact that the team who's picking first gets 10 minutes to draft. They know who they're picking. So we're sitting here nonstop pregame show. I think the Browns didn't make a their. I mean, excuse me, the Browns, the Jaguars didn't make their pick till like eight forty p.m. Eastern. We're watching forty minutes of of coverage in the draft here. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Everyone knew what was going on. Uh, we saw some trades. We had that drama and you know, everything you need there. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of Rockman's rookies come out of this draft class. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about the big time stuff. I'll give you some time here to think because by the end of the show, I want to know if there's any potential Rockman rookies in around six or seven draft pick. See if there's anybody good there. But I think I want to talk about what you usually talk about first when it comes to NFL draft, and that is the quarterback position. So we could start off. We'll just we'll just basically go in order here, right? So Lawrence he goes first to the Jaguars, no surprise there. But we'll couple this in with the fact that he's going to be still with his guy, Travis Etienne, in the backfield, which I think is tremendous. So they're going to be together. And the tight end might be Tim Tebow reuniting with Urban Meyer. So what what was your grade here for for the Jaguars with their first two picks? I think they did a very good job. Yeah, I think Travis Etienne is going to be a successful back. I do have questions about the overall need for the selection itself because James Robinson put together an excellent rookie year. Carlos Hyde, obviously a very dependable veteran. And it sounded like, you know, the Jags 
potentially weren't even hot, like not on high on ETN, but they were targeting Kadarius Tony. Obviously, your Giants ended up sniping them from them, but it sounded like they were looking at a receiver to add to the room. Travis ETN, though, should be a very capable running back. I do think James Robinson is probably not going to be able to just continuously replicate the success that he had. So adding a running back that is probably going to be the best in that room is definitely a great addition. I just, you know, I do have questions about the overall need. I feel like there were other positions on the team that could have been filled and, you know, probably should have been addressed earlier than it was. No doubt about it. Uh, But I'm sure Lawrence is happy about that. Travis is probably happy as well. And we'll see how our Meyer does. Could Could be a good team this year. We're interested to see what happens. All right, number two pick, the Jets. They draft Mr. Wilson, who's a good quarterback. They trade up. They got an offensive guard for for him, Lodge Vera Tucker. Then they draft more for a different wide receiver option. And then what I thought was the steal of the draft. I mean, they do dra- they draft two Michael Carters, but the Michael Carter running back from UNC with a really late pick, they get him. And I think this guy's going to start for them from day one. So thoughts on the Jets draft. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, they did an excellent job. And you kind of see that Elijah Moore most likely is going to be that Jameson Crowder replacement. There had been rumors that he was going to be cut. I think they're going to keep him for the year. But Elijah Moore is definitely going to be taking that job over, I would think. You know, I like Zach Wilson. Obviously, Elijah Vera Tucker is a very dependable offensive lineman that they really wanted to invest in and make sure that their QB is protected. And you talked about Michael Carter, and I think that he's going to be a steal. We talked about it pre-draft. That was the guy that I had in their mock draft. And I said, if he lands in a spot that's, you know, the New York Jets or the San Francisco 49ers, he's probably going to be in for a very good NFL career. And it's a great landing spot for him. I think he's very patient, does well working outside as a runner, can catch the ball when needed. And, you know, mixing all those things in, and then you look at the overall opportunity that's there for him. You know, Tevin Coleman is going to be a, a good running back for the Jets, but there's plenty of opportunity for Michael Carter to really carve out a large role in this backfield. Don't be surprised if he's one of the better rookie running backs in that first year. Absolutely. And Rick agrees with me that the first round is just too long. It should be five-minute five minute picks in the, round, the first round. I think it was like four hours the first round, which was crazy. So it's just pretty TV time, pretty insane. And I I read that the day two, the second and third round, uh, the ratings were higher than the Oscars. They were higher than the NBA Finals last year. So uh, people are watching. Not just Michael's watching. A lot of people are there watching. What was your setup, Michael, for for all three days of the draft? Where were you watching from? Uh, so I usually hang out in my basement. There's a nice little couch down there, some solid TV content, you know, so I, I had that set up. I had some good meals. I, I ordered some chicken wings, you know, really just, I, I really have like a nice cheat day on draft day because it, it's worth it. It's a holiday for me. So right. I'm pretty much eating, feasting and just enjoying the draft, you know, watching as I get really nervous about what the Patriots are going to do. They didn't let me down too bad this year though. So I'm happy. Yeah, we'll get to the Patriots momentarily here. But what was, I guess, the surprise uh, for some people in the first round is the fact that Mac Jones, who ends up going to the Patriots, is not picked by the 49ers. And they pick Trey Lance, who I know you were very high. And, of course, 
only played that one game in his, senior, his last season because uh, his school is playing right now, competing for a national championship in the FCF, FCS without him. Wouldn't that be crazy if someone was drafted and they were still playing? I don't know what the, the what would have been happening there. That probably wouldn't have been allowed, but not too many people are drafted at FCS anyway that are competing for a championship. But Trey Lance, what do you think is going to happen? Is he going to play right away? Or do we, do we see Jimmy Garoppolo first? Because I think if you are in the mindset of I'm a, we're a win-now team, it's a really tough sell to the veterans in the locker room to say, Jimmy Garoppolo, who took us to the Super Bowl, where you're going to bench him for this rookie quarterback. What do you think you would do, and what do you think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch will do with the 49ers and Trey Lance? Yeah, personally, I think Jimmy is going to be the starter, um, and I think that's the right call. I think Trey Lance has some traits to where he can find success early, but as a passer, there's still much needed in terms of growth, development from week to week that's going to really have to come with practice and preparation probably from a bench role. Uh, you know, if Jimmy goes down, which has happened plenty of time, I don't think that they're just automatically screwed. I don't think he's that bad to where, you know, they're going to just fail to find a way to win with him in the game. I think that, you know, with his mobility, his deep ball presence, there's not really going to be an easy way to stop him. But I do think just in terms of what Jimmy's already proven on the field and the fact that Trey Lance is so inexperienced, you kind of want to give him some time to grow into his role. But if needed to start, I think you could depend on, you know, quick, easy reads, uh, really just depend on his athleticism. Obviously, the 49ers themselves are a very run-heavy team, so they want a QB that's going to be able to kind of maintain that. And, you know, early on, Trey Lance, I think, would fill that role very easily. He did it at North Dakota State. Not that he would have the same success right away, but I do think that he would be able to do so rather efficiently if, if it were to come to that. But personally... And projection-wise, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter. And I think they'll probably give him, you know, for as long as they feel as though he's the best option. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, a 49er team that's like 5-3. and three, And then Shanahan say, I want to see what Lance can do because I think we can be better. And it would Right, Kurt be, Warner is handing the ball over to Eli Manning at 5-3. and three. Probably send some, some waves throughout the uh, NFL community. You know, we saw it with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick just this season. And maybe it would hurt the 49ers and ruin their chances of making playoffs. Maybe it would take them up a notch. But it's really going to come down to they know it's coming. And they know that they want Trey Lance to step in eventually. So it's just going to come down to when he proves he's ready for that position. And... It's hard to hard to predict when that will happen. I agree. They should definitely stick with Garoppolo for at least the season. And Rick does too. He says that Lansing's that Mahomes map to success. Sit behind an experienced QB for a year. Now that might be happening in Chicago. We'll go through the rest of the picks. We'll do the quarterbacks first. So Rick mentioned that Gettleman lasted 20 years, never trading down. Does it this year to much effect. So we'll get into that in a bit. But obviously Gettleman makes the trade with the Bears gets a first-round pick next year and then a pick this year in the fourth round and moves back to 20. So the Bears, they see Justin Fields is on the board, and they said, you know what? We better target this guy. Uh, let's, we got to move up. We got to get him. Uh, what's interesting is right before that, the Eagles and Cowboys swap picks, the 12 and 11, and Devontae Smith goes to the Eagles, which we'll, we'll get into that. So that might have impacted some things here. But, uh, you know, the – the Bears come up big time, and it's interesting because if you look at who's picking after this pick, I would assume the Bears were thinking the Patriots were out at the pick fields because you had uh, 
obviously they take the Giants pick. And then after that, you have the Cowboys that are picking a quarterback. The Chargers aren't picking a quarterback. The Jets aren't picking a quarterback. And then you get to the Patriots, who then pick Mac Jones. So we can couple these two together here. Mac Jones could not wait to get out uh, to the podium running to get his hat to be a Patriot. But did the Patriots actually get their guy? Or did they want Justin Fields? And what are your thoughts on Fields going to Chicago, where I think Andy Dalton is going to definitely start the season as a starting quarterback. Uh, Mac Jones, maybe he's got a chance to, to start over Cam Newton to start the year. But I think most likely both of those guys, at least to start the season, will go into the year as backups. Yeah, I think both are heading into the season as backups. We'll talk about the Bears first. I think that this was an excellent move. Ryan Pace obviously had his job on a – scorching hot seat and the big thing was can you find a quarterback if Justin Fields puts together a good rookie year I think he's bought himself another year and you know the fact that he's built such a roster I think doesn't get enough credit as it probably deserves there's been some very good teams that he's put together for the Chicago era he missed on the quarterback position and it happens there's plenty of GMs that maybe don't get to take advantage of that window because they are held back by the quarterback play Trubisky I'm not trying to say that he's just this awful QB. I do think that there's something there in terms of serviceability, but really he was the weak spot of that roster for quite some time. And in that window where they really had that contending opportunity, now they have to kind of retool this roster, build around fields, adjust adjust contracts to try to make it work in this new window that is hopefully going to be created. I think fields is definitely the top option on the board, but from what I heard, the Patriots were not, in on fields and their ideal target was actually who the jets traded up for in Elijah Vera Tucker. But the trade up by the Chicago bears was actually a jump of the Minnesota Vikings who were reportedly planning on selecting fields. Had he fallen to 14, which would have been very interesting. Obviously Kirk cousins, the starter there, but maybe they aren't viewing him in a long-term light. Hence why they also drafted Kellen Mond. But for the Chicago bears, I think this is absolutely huge. Definitely need some, help you know they just cut Charles Leno today so I think there's still some offensive line question marks they just had some uh some issues in the offseason in terms of what Allen Robinson is really going to do long term and you know things like this are going to be absolutely huge for making sure that Justin Fields is in a comfortable situation you know you want to retain Allen Robinson I think they should have kept Charles Leno a very solid offensive tackle but all in all when you look at it this is a QB that Chicago has been chasing for and I think this was absolutely the right pick. And then whenever you look at what the Patriots did with Mac Jones, I think it's definitely the right pick as well. I would have been fuming if they didn't end up with a quarterback in this class because you absolutely have to. I mean, the way that they've built this roster is pretty much QB dependent. While there's questions about what Mac Jones' overall ceiling is, I think if you can find a QB who can get the job done, start games, and be efficient both in terms of production and just an overall team production, then that's huge. And I think Mac Jones is one of the safer QBs in this class in that regard. Uh, You know, we have some comments from the comment section that I want to pull up. Uh, So is Fields or Jones more ready to play at the NFL level? And, you know, I think a lot of people quickly want to say Mac Jones is, and it's, it makes sense. I'm not saying Mac Jones isn't NFL ready, but I think the fact is mobility is huge in NFL readiness. It allows the offense to be simplified. It allows the QB to make plays with their legs. You look at Lamar Jackson. He was probably one of the more unrefined passers, but he was able to come into Baltimore in his rookie year halfway through and really propel that team to playoffs because of how well he was able to maneuver around the field. 
able to make plays with his legs. And when you're able to make plays with the legs, the passing defense becomes way easier to, to handle. So I'm not saying Mac Jones can't find success in his rookie year, but I absolutely think that Justin Fields is going to have an easier opportunity as long as Matt Nagy and the offensive cast there really simplifies the job that Fields has to do because he's coming from an Ohio State offense that's going to give some issues in that transition. You know, going from a half-field read type system to developing a full-field read type of mindset is going to have some, you know, moments where you're saying, oh, come on, Fields, that guy was wide open. How do you miss him? But with his athleticism, with his overall arm talent, especially if developed properly in terms of mechanics and developed further, Justin Fields should be able to, A, have more success early, and if properly developed long-term, should be able to have a more successful career overall. The thing with Jones, Michael, is that he has a good trait in him is he's very patient. What people probably don't realize is he came into Alabama. He was a third-string quarterback. He waited years to play. Jalen Hurts was first string. Two was second string. He was third string. Obviously, Hurts leaves. Two is first string. He's the backup. So Jones took his time. He ended up eventually getting his chance, and he shined. So for both of these guys, though, I would recommend you don't rush them to play, especially if you don't have to. Because Andy Dalton, he could still win you games. And Jimmy Garoppolo, as we mentioned, took a team to the Super Bowl. Uh, Nobody probably more upset about the Mac Jones pick than Jimmy Garoppolo because he's already pissed they're taking Trey Lance to the 49ers. He's like, how am I getting out of here? Am I going to go be the Patriots QB next year? But that door has been slammed shut. And we have some other comments as well. Fields was a Buckeye, Red Herring. Lance, who was was who BB wanted, and he settled. I do think that maybe Bill Belichick wasn't all in on Mac Jones. I think right. going into this draft, he had a few different QBs that he was targeting. I do think Lance was the guy for the Patriots. It sounded like post-draft, there were a lot of rumors that were released that it was sort of a smokescreen on their interest in Fields. And that doesn't indicate that Fields is bad or anything. It just indicates that Bill wasn't interested in bringing Fields into the scheme. I think it's a misread on Bill's end, but only time is really going to be able to tell. And then one more, we'll see if Nagy will utilize Fields' rushing ability or try to fit him into a pure pocket passer. That's my biggest fear. Yeah, and if you try to force Justin Fields to sit in the pocket, he's going to have his moments, but it's probably going to be a lot less likely that he really takes those strides. I think he did a nice job of allowing Mitch to kind of be athletic and move around a bit to where there's hope for it. But yeah, if you aren't designing these plays where you can really take off with Justin Fields as a runner, then I think you're holding him back because you really got to utilize all the player's strengths, especially when they're young and as a rookie, as they develop to the NFL. And really, if you hold Justin Baxter, Justin Fields back, or just try to make him sit in the pocket and that's all he does, then yeah, there's going to be some issues, especially early. Right. And I think, and we'll transition here to the Giants talk because the thing that Daniel Jones actually does well is design runs with the Giants. So that's how he's had any success. Now, Gettleman makes all these trades, the wheeling and dealing, and they pick Kadarius Tony. To me, not a need. They they have Shepard. They have Slayton. They sign Galladay. They have Engram. They sign Rudolph. Okay, so Barkley's back. A lot of offensive weapons there. Um they probably needed an edge rusher. They could have used a linebacker. And to me, they definitely need offensive linemen, which they didn't address in the whole draft. Again, Kevin Zeitler was their best offensive lineman. They cut him as a ca- casualty. 
and he was not not replaced. So what are they going to do? I don't understand. Obviously, I wanted them to stay where they were and pick up Slater. For Sean Slater, that would have been great there, but they moved down uh, in the draft, and they take Tony. So we'll get your scouting report of him. But right after that, Quiddy Pay comes off the board later than probably most expected. So uh, maybe you should have took him there. Christian Darisaw also on the board at that point. But your thoughts on Tony, how he's going to fit it on this Giants offense with a lot of targets, um, and you know the thoughts on the Giants not addressing the offensive line. Yeah, so I like Tony. I don't think that the talent-wise pick here is an issue. I think that he's a very talented wide mm-hmm. receiver. And I do like that, you know, in that second round, they were able to go get Aziz Ojulari. But like you kind of said, the offensive line issues are going to be well-noticed this season. I don't think that their offensive guard play is going to really match to what the standard should be around the NFL. And that's going to be issues because we saw with Daniel Jones, when he gets pressured, he has issues of making plays that are really getting turnovers and having those, you know, kind of rack up and then his confidence just goes all the way down and he just makes even more. So while I think that Daniel Jones took a nice stride last year, kind of questionable move on, in my opinion, to not address the offensive line at all. You know, is Tony, you think really, Tony's going to return kicks as well for the I would, Giants? I would assume so. I think really one of the more interesting situations, though, is does this mean the end of Sterling Shepard in New York? Obviously, he'll be here this year. But long term, I think we could see Sterling kind of, you know, walking mm-hmm. out as Kadarius Tony has taken over this role. Darius Slayton, you know, Kenny Galladay, obviously long term. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a big question mark. And I do like the talent. But I do think that even if the Giants would have addressed the position later on in the mid rounds. They had to, and they didn't. And now this offensive line, especially on the interior is full of question marks. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, another, another guy that you had said that the giants would potentially be targeting all the way back in August. He said, Micah Parsons, he would have been a great fit, but now he goes to the Cowboys. So they got to deal with him, but here's the, uh, here's the big news coming out of the draft. And this is where the Giants are actually involved in here. And that is the fact that Aaron Rodgers, his career is in jeopardy. Double entendre there. He is, he does not want to be back in Green Bay. Um, ultimately, he could sit out and host jeopardy. That's his only option. So, if they, no trade, he doesn't have a no trade clause. So, he could be traded anywhere. But uh, there are reports out there, notably from a Twitter account incarcerated Bob, which always seems to have these ahead of the game insider tips, but other things as well that Aaron Rodgers would be open to be traded to the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders. And now if I got to see Rodgers with Gurdon, I'd love that. Or the New York Giants. And if you're looking at things right now, Michael, I think the Giants would be in a prime position to get Aaron Rodgers because of Dave Gellman, because they could offer two first-round picks next year, another first-round the following year, of course, and who knows what else. You could offer Daniel Jones, but the, the, the Packers don't need a quarterback. They will go to love, so you could work through that out. But of these three teams that we're hearing, um, the Giants have the most draft capital to give up, um, but, you know, 
we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't see Rodgers getting moved this year. But if I'm Dave Gettleman, if I'm any general manager in the league outside of, you know, a select few who have a stud quarterback, I'm calling Green Bay. I'm sure Green Bay was getting bombarded with phone calls. But the day of the draft, there's not enough time to do that big, that big of a trade. Any, and also, uh, if, you, if they traded Rodgers before, I think, June 15th, it would be a tremendous dead cap hit. So maybe we're going to see a trade next month or July. That'd be huge. Uh, but, you know, the Giants should prove that like a good neighbor, they'll be there for Aaron Rodgers and do what they can. But of those three teams, do you see it? Do you see anything happening? Do you see Rodgers getting moved? And if not, uh, where, where, where else could he potentially go? We have our, our buddy Joe Calabrese says he thinks the best fits for Aaron Rodgers are the Giants, the Broncos, and the Browns. Wow. How about that? The Browns. That would be pretty wild. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, so looking at it in terms of just overall who improves the most, I think the obvious team would be the Broncos, right? Because we've talked about it whenever we did this offseason blueprint for the Broncos. I kind of said, you know, this team is really a QB away. And if Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater can really not lose them games, the Broncos are looking like a playoff team. And I know that's probably a hot take for a lot of people, but – Look at their overall roster. They got Von Miller. They got Bradley Chubb. They got a very good offensive line now with Mike Munchak. They've got the secondary that's been revitalized. They have talent at the linebacker position. Vic Fangio was running 10 deep at the defensive line due to injuries last year, and they were still one of the more productive units in the league. The defense is going to be playing at a high level. The offense has the weapons and protection to get things done. They have the run game now with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams in that backfield. If Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater – again, can just not lose them games, then they are a playoff team, and I'm willing to bet on it. I am definitely confident in what the Broncos' talent is, but the question mark is Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So getting a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who now becomes a guy that doesn't just lose, like make sure you don't lose games, but can absolutely win you games on his own, then the Broncos take a huge step. You know, looking at it in terms of other teams around the league, you know, there's going to be talks about the Miami Dolphins. There's going to be talks about the New York Giants, a lot of young QBs that maybe didn't prove themselves. If Mac Jones has a mediocre rookie year, people will be saying, oh, the Patriots, the Patriots are going to be in play. What will actually happen is hard to say because, you know, are the Packers really going to give up on Rodgers, especially after an MVP season, even with Jordan Love waiting in the wings? Are things really going to go so unresolved where Aaron Rodgers refuses to play for them ever again? It's hard to say. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers' true thought process is. Right now, we're depending on just rumors, speculation, and hopefully valid sources. But this is definitely something to monitor. This is something where the wrong move by the Packers could absolutely send things into a free fall. Apparently, you know, they just cut Camaro, uh, wide receiver, who Rodgers was praising to the media just, just a few days ago. So it's absolutely just everything that's happening is going to be heavily speculated on and very touch and go right now. Yeah. If, if anything happens poorly in, in the eyes of Aaron Rodgers, then things could absolutely blow up. And, you know, even when you look at the teams that we talked about, the giants currently have the most capital, but I do think that, you know, if the Raiders are looking to acquire them, they could go and get a pick for Derek Carr pretty easily and probably match up with what the giants are able to offer. And really it's just stuff like that. That could really change the dynamic of, of the power structure and rankings for most likely to get Rodgers. So anything could change in a minute. How, what would you think of this, this trade proposal? Aaron Rodgers to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. 
I think uh, if, the, if both be, guys want out, it'd certainly be interesting. I think, I think Rogers would still not be appreciative of that, but it's hard to say. I think personally, this is a big year for Daniel Jones because I do think they will move on from him um, if he if they don't make the playoffs this year. Uh, so the Giants should keep their flexibility here, keep all eyes open. If that Russell Wilson situation gets worse, if the Aaron Rodgers situation gets worse, uh, if things get cleared up with the Sean Watson legally, the Giants need to be all in on these guys because it's the Joe Judge effect. You you know how great this guy is with with the with the, the Patriots. Very impressive rookie year uh, as a coach. Did not see that coming. Um, he changed the culture real quick, and now people actually want to come play for the Giants, which we haven't seen since Tom Coughlin as the head coach. So I'm not going to get too giant heavy here, but you know they are intertwined here. They, they do go along with this Rogers story. Uh, if you had to guess, Michael, is Aaron Rodgers playing for the Packers this season? It's tough. It's absolutely tough because it's a situation that really we're all dependent on sources that a lot of the higher up sources are kind of indicating one way, then kind mm-hmm. of, you know, releasing some more stuff saying, well, maybe not. But if I, I guess, think I go ahead, you got it. I think that if he, if this is, if he plays this year, this is last year. There, there's no, unless they win the Super Bowl, there's no, it's not coming back. And it's interesting to note this is going to be a, this he played 16 years in the NFL so far. Not one Green Bay Packer quarterback with all these greats they've had has played more than 16 years for the organization. Yeah, and I I, I agree with you. I think this is his last year, but he will be back for one last season, one last ride with the uh, gold and green. I I don't know. It's a tough situation. Obviously, you you have to be very bold to let go of a. QB that's as talented as Aaron Rodgers, but it does seem like the Packers kind of made the writing on the right. wall when they went and got Jordan Love. And and it's hard to really say to your franchise QB, oh, you know, we did spend a first round pick on a QB, but we aren't planning on you being gone anytime soon. So <laughs> maybe year, you know, both sides kind of agree to right. actually make something happen and, and work it out. That's why you got to spend a second round pick on a QB, which is exactly what the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, did. They pick Kyle Trask, who is staying in Florida, probably disappointed in the first round, but I think this is a great position for him, Michael, because he's not going to play this year. He's not going to play next year. He might not play the year after that, but he's probably going to play the year after that. And if Brady's open to it and mentors this guy, which he has in the past with Garoppolo and Brissett, um, I know it's a little different here, though, but if he's open to it, um, you know, why not take the quarterback there for the Bucks? Because all of your starters came back. You're a really good place, place for this year. You didn't use your first round pick on a quarterback. Um, Rick thinks he's going to be Ryan Mallett. I think he's going to be better than that. Jordan says Sarah doesn't want to go to Green Bay. Sarah wants to go to New York. So that's where the Giants should be open for this. But uh, Kyle Trask to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm intrigued, Michael. What do you think? Yeah, I don't really love the fit. Honestly, I think Kyle Trask is more of an efficient type of passer, short intermediate game. And that's not really what Bruce Arians has made his bread and butter on. And I know that Brady isn't this, you know, deep downfield passer consistently. And maybe maybe it's a sign of possible change or regime in terms of opening their ideas up to trying to fit around a QB that they think is just going to get the job done. And that's possible. But 
I do like it in terms of landing spot for any young QB. I think sitting behind Brady, watching the traits that he has, watching how he goes about every day of practice, you know, sitting in a film room with him, seeing what he sees is absolutely huge. And I think that's a large part for why, you know, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo were able to find as much success as they did. That's not to discredit that they don't have enough natural talent or anything on their own. But I think watching great QBs can be absolutely huge for a young quarterback, even if they don't necessarily get the, uh, you know, oh, come sit under my shoulder and I'll teach you everything. Just watching it in its own is huge for a QB. And I think that's going to play a huge factor in Kyle Trask's ability to grow and become a QB. And maybe, you know, if the dominoes fall correctly, if a lot of this team is returned and they need a QB to come and step in once Brady's done, whether that's, you know, after next year or the year after that or whenever, you know, he's probably going to last another 20 years. So I don't know, but right. I think is like with a system, it's tough to say because I really don't think Arians would coach once Brady was to retire. I don't think he'd want to be down for that. So maybe this is just the GM saying, um, you know, let me try to get something in place here because you don't want the ground crashing down to like Brady retires. Then they go from worst to first. So maybe they say, instead of starting over them, we'll get something here. But uh, Tom Brady on the NFL Draftathon says, we know Julian Edelman didn't retire. Let's be honest. He's just too scared to tell Bill he wants to come to Tampa. I've been there. So we, we, we broke the news to you that Edelman was retiring or released on our show. Then it turns out he was retiring and because he didn't pass the physical. Brady says this. What do we think, Michael? I, I don't know if Edelman is going to play this season for the Bucs, but it is inevitable that he's not going to stay retired, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think this is just Brady giving crap to his old friend. You remember when they were at the Celtics game and Edelman was saying to the camera, like, oh, he's coming back. Don't worry, guys. And then Brady had that awkward face on his – or uh, awkward look on his face because he knew he wasn't. I think it's just something like that where, you know – Brady's just giving crap to Edelman, making it hard on his friend just to kind of stir up the pot a little bit. Just just a little buddy banter. That's all I right. think. And, you know, buried on the draft stuff. Antonio Brown is back. One-year deal. Great value there. So, Buccaneers, they're looking good, especially if there's all this trouble in paradise in Green Bay with the Packers. How do you not pick the Bucks at this point to at least go back to the Super Bowl, Michael? Yeah, I think – Absolutely, the opportunities there. I think the Rams, the Bucks, those are the two teams that I'm probably focusing on as the biggest contenders right now. Can Stafford be that guy? Can Stafford take them to that next level? I think it's absolutely an opportunity. But also, you know, can the Bucks continue to keep up that success that they had? You know, we saw there was a time last year where a lot of people were saying the Bucks may not even make playoffs, and there were times last year were saying where people were saying, okay, you know, the Bucks will make playoffs, but they aren't even a contender. And then now they're saying, you know, oh, they're bringing it back. They're absolutely the favorite to win. It's just going to depend on the momentum. And I think that's uh, a cop-out answer in somewhat of sorts because it's easy to say, oh, you know, whoever's playing the best is going to win the Super Bowl. I understand. But this Bucks team wasn't unbeatable last year. They had their moments where they looked, you know, mediocre to average. And they also had their moments where they looked like a super team. So will they be able to continue a lot of that success? I think so. But also – can you continue that not only for the 17 games that will happen over the course of the year, but also through the playoffs, which is another three games. And that's really where the issue comes in. I think for the Bucks, the 17 game season is actually going to be a little bit of a hurt 
in terms of that because I think the older QBs are going to have those issues. We saw it with, you know, Drew Brees, Tom Brady even, where they start out hot and then they have these games where they kind of fall off as the season goes on because going week to week without any rest with one bye week and then getting back into it, it can really sting on a team's momentum and just ability to build uh, that, you know, successful play with clean bill of health. And I think that happens to a lot of these older QBs as they start to tail off because the fatigue gets to them. Now Brady's done a great job of managing that fatigue, but I do think that is something that could potentially come into play, especially with, another you know game now added to the schedule we shall see uh so some more i know this is overall is an, i'm right into a trade by these these late round or not late round but second third round quarterback picks here so we got you got trask he's off the board so it's a little trend here kellen mon to the vikings good spot for him we'll see and you know davis mills to the texans there so what did you think about those two guys going back to back there yeah, I really like the Kellen Mond fit. We talked about it before with what we thought of Kellen Mond. And really the big thing is, how is he going to be developed at the next level? Um, you know, obviously in a spot like Minnesota, they're in no rush to replace Kirk Cousins. I think Kellen Mond is going to have plenty of opportunity to grow in a year on the bench where he's just kind of focused in on that. Also, I think in a system where they're going to be handing off the ball a lot, it takes a lot of pressure off of Kellen Mond. But in the same regard, I think the question is, can you get him to where he's a starting level QB, a dependable QB, and someone that, you know, does in turn replace Kirk Cousins for a lot cheaper value? And I think the arm talent's there. I think the mobility's there. But the question is, can the consistency and accuracy from play to play be in effect? And that's what Mond has to overcome. I trust that they will be able to do that in Minnesota. But at the same time, Mond is probably one of the bigger more questionable projects in this class. All right. And then, you know, I asked you on UDG Cardock rankings of, of guys outside of your top five, who, who is getting the most buzz about potentially having a long-term career. And you told me Davis Mills. So Davis Mills goes to the Texans. Uh, and then, you know, we'll just do the rest of these together. And then later on, Ian Book goes to the Saints. Pretty interesting there. Uh, Sam Ellering goes to the Colts. Uh, he might see some, time at some point this year with Wentz's injury history but your thoughts on on those three guys uh you know where they went and also the fact that Jamie Newman was not drafted yeah so Davis Mills I think is probably in one of the better situations if you're a QB that wants to play right away because you know I don't want to speculate too much on what's going to happen with Watson but I do think that we could easily see it to where Watson doesn't take a snap this year so that's going to leave Tyrod Taylor that's going to leave Ryan Finley, and that's going to leave Davis Mills. I'm not saying anything to disrespect Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Finley, but that job could easily open up if the right dominoes fall. If Davis Mills impresses the right. camp, they could easily find a reason to start. Yeah, Michael, I was going to ask you, of all the quarterbacks drafted, we know Wilson and Lawrence are going to start week one. Who do you think is most likely to start next? My answer is Davis Mills because I think Watson might – he said he was going to hold out. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think he might be going through some litigation here. So I think Mills has a legit chance to start week one. If not, you know, maybe Tyrod Taylor has to go for another surgery or something and ends up starting week two a la Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think really it's between Fields and Mills in my mind. I think Mac Jones is going to sit for a bit. I think Kellen Mond's not going to get playtime this year unless Kirk Cousins gets injured. Uh, same for Kyle Trask. So, 
really is between Mills and Fields in my mind. I think Andy Dalton probably lasts two weeks. Everyone's wanting Justin Fields. Even I think Pace and Nagy are going to be wanting Justin Fields. They promised Andy Dalton the starting job. They're going to let Andy be the starter. They're going to play the course, you know, act like this is, you know, respect to Andy Dalton because they don't want to have that promise get out and then just completely abandon it for the rookie. That's a very bad way to set your organization up for future free agents. So they're going to let Andy Dalton start. And then within a week, two weeks, maybe four tops, Mm -hmm. they're going to want Justin Fields taking over. So if Mills can find a way to sneak in, before fields gets in you know in those two to four weeks then it's mills but you know i think it's going to be fields i think tyrod taylor and ryan finley are probably going to get the first opportunity there in houston but if mills is able to you know beat out ryan finley in terms of who's number two on the depth chart and then tyrod taylor either has his struggles or gets injured then you know we could easily see mills mills in that second week or potentially third or fourth as well all right, and then back to, to Book, Allering, and Newman. Yeah, so with Ian Book, you know, I think that this is probably his best landing spot for his sake. Uh, Sean Payton obviously has a tremendous track record in terms of developing quarterbacks. I do think Winston's going to hold the job down there in New Orleans with Taysom Hill being the gadget player that he has continued to be. But Ian Book has some solid traits that could potentially make him into a starting QB, and I don't think he projects that way right now as a prospect. And that's why he's not going to be going super early in the draft or why he didn't. But still, you know, there's some nice moments on his tape. He's decently mobile, decently ability to work off script. That is absolutely huge for QB in today's league. Now, can he get more consistent in terms of accuracy? Can he develop some arm strength in terms of, you know, throwing downfield with better touch? And if he can really contribute uh, those factors into his game, then I think he's absolutely got a chance to be something in New Orleans. Do I predict predict it to happen? No, I think, you know, Winston's going to be the QB, and if he struggles, they're going to look for a new QB in the first round. But if Ian Book is able to develop, which Sean Payton has probably done better than anyone in terms of developing QBs, then absolutely look for him to potentially, you know, have a great career. And then uh, Sam Ellinger in Indianapolis. You know, Carson Wentz, is definitely the QB. I don't think that we're looking at this as, oh, Ellinger comes in, you know, who knows what will no, happen. No doubt about but, it. But I do think that Ellinger has some versatility that could be brought in and we'll see some snaps from, you know, whether it's out of the fullback spot, out of the tight end spot, we'll see. But also... It could I be the next next taste in hell. Yeah, and I think this is also a good spot for him to be a backup QB. You know, Carson Wentz, like you said, has some injury history that could hurt him. And Ellinger could get an opportunity through that. I don't love his overall passing attack. I think he misfires too often, especially when working deep. But answering Rick's think, question there. <laughs> yeah, I think he absolutely is athletic enough to be brought into the passing game. Probably not Edelman style, but maybe, you know, in a, a Tebow that's willing to move around type style. So we'll see what happens. But ultimately, I don't think Ellinger is going to be a long-term option there. I think Easton would be the guy they go to if Wentz were to go down. But the opportunity is there for him, so it's not a bad landing spot. And then we talk about Jamie Newman, undrafted. A little bit surprising, but I think a lot of the reasoning for that is because of what happened at Georgia. You know, he transferred there. He was going to be the QB. JT Daniels transfers in, and then he opts out. And it was late. It wasn't, you know, everyone's opting out. Jamie Newman opts out. 
you know, and it's kind of excusable. It was definitely everyone knows what it was. It was he he was worried that if he has any struggles, he gets benched and then his stock gets tanked. And, you know, the film wasn't good enough to really withhold all that doubt already. And you want a QB who's just confident, you know, absolutely 100 percent in. So there's question marks about him. And he's in Philadelphia, which is surprisingly another decent landing spot. You know, Jalen Hurts had a strong rookie season, but I don't think that that's guaranteed to continue. There were definitely some issues still on tape. We could see a situation where Hurts is not the QB, you know, that starts all 16 games. And I know that a lot of people are thinking, you know, oh, Peterson just got in a lot of hot water for starting Sudfeld. That doesn't mean that this next QB just has to start Hurts the entire season. We could easily see some backups get used if Hurts struggles because right now he showed some great mobility. Right. He I think Flacco's going to play a lot. Yeah, but at the same time, he still needs to develop as a passer. His anticipation is still an issue, and that's something that was an issue at Oklahoma. So will Hurts grow? Hopefully. Will he develop? Hopefully. But there's still some question marks in his game that will need to be grown on if he plans to be the long-term starter in Philadelphia. Now, Rick says, Kobe made this year for college football in the draft something he hopes to never see again. Too much unknown because of the opt-outs. And I can tell you this, Rick, the next year, the 2022 draft class is going to be probably the most overhyped class in decades because there's going to be extra information on them. The scouts are going to go heavier and harder because they basically just had the last two years off um, as far as traveling. So there's going to be a lot of information there. And you saw that um, with some trades to try to get some draft capital for next season. Uh, Michael, if you want, if you want to just you want to go through the, we go through some of the first round picks here. So we'll do, um, we'll say four through nine. So you got Pitts, uh, Chase, Waddle, Sewell, Horn, and Sertan. Um, you know, just your thoughts on some of that. Me personally, I think Sewell is probably going to be the best player in the draft, and he just falls in the lap of the Lions at number seven, and I think it's going to help Jared Goff big time this season. Yeah, absolutely. I love all of these picks, really. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase is going to contribute very well. I think for number four, Pitts is going to be talented, but I think I would have gone Sewell there. I think Caleb McGarry is not a long-term answer at the tackle spot. I know that they draft him in the first round, so they probably have higher hopes for him than I do. But personally, I just didn't see it during his NFL career or during his prospect tape. Um so I thought Sewell should have been in a lot heavier consideration there for Atlanta, but it sounded like they were between Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts. So it's interesting. And when I look uh, at Pitts, I think I feel like this is a guy that's going to light it up in fantasy in September, and then he's going to like have a hamstring injury or, or something and, and be out for a while. I, I don't know. Let's hope he's he's healthy. But it's just like to me, the the need for the Falcons was not offense. But if it was anything on offense, it was it, it should have been offensive line. They have good good weapons out there. Uh, they score points, but it's still going to come down to the defense. We'll see what happens here with, with their new head coach. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes the defense is talented enough and it's just a new scheme that's needed, and that could very well be the case. But I think there's definitely going to be some issues. They didn't really invest a lot into the defense despite – that being a huge need. I love the Richie Grant pick for them. I really think that the Falcons had added some good pieces, but I still think there's huge question marks overall for what they're going to do 
heading into this year, you know, no running back really drafted. Um, they got some pieces on the line, you know, Jalen Mayfield, I think will be a solid right guard for them. Uh, I don't know though. It's just, it's a draft that I think has some potential hits, but overall I, I would have probably addressed it differently than how the Falcons did. Right. You mentioned Chase. Uh, I, again, you you ha- you were on that. You said Chase is going to reunite with Burrow. Rick says the Bengals going wide receiver five is his biggest question in the draft. Again, I, I thought Sewell would have been you know locked down there, but <laughs> you know the, the LSU guys are back together. But I still worried who's going to c- protect Burrow, especially now coming off a gruesome injury. Yeah, and I think the big thing is they felt comfortable with Riley Reef being their starting tackle. They brought Jackson Carmen in on the offensive line. And it's picks like that that I do like for them. Um, I think Chase is going to be a valuable wide receiver. And I think that the line is going to really be better with Carmen and Reef added. That absolutely takes them to another level. I think the big thing that you have to realize is a lot of times when an offensive line is bad, it's more so just one or two pieces that are really holding it back rather than the entire unit being awful. So you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, the big weakness on that line was Bobby Hart. So getting Riley Reef to step in at right tackle, getting Jackson Carmen to be that guard, Suofilo and Quentin Spain are now fighting for that left guard spot, Jonah Williams at left tackle, Trey Hopkins at center. That's a solid line. I'm not saying that's going to be, you know, this generational talent on the offensive line, but I think it's definitely going to help out Joe Burrow and make his job easier. I think he'll be able to get the job done. You know, Joe Mixon will be able to get going in the run game and adding a wide receiver like Jamar Chase with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins already there. I don't know. I, I get why people would go offensive line and I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. That's probably what I would have done, but I do think that adding a guy like Chase with the offensive line that they've now been able to make up is still pretty solid in my book. Rick does not like it. So Chase won't catch anything if he's running for his life. Uh, I think Barrow would be running for his life a little more. Though. All right, so Waddle goes to the Dolphins. We knew they were going to take one of the Alabama wide receivers, so they get Waddle over Smith. Uh, Sewell, we mentioned already, great pick for the Lions. Now, J.C. Horn uh, goes to the Panthers, drafted nine. Uh, was that their biggest need there? Um, obviously, the secondary was pretty good last year. Jeremy Chin was awesome. Uh, but your thoughts on going corner there? Oh, I absolutely love J.C. Horn in terms of talent. I think the big question mark, though, is you're passing over two very quality QBs, and they've already made their investment in Sam Darnold, so I get it in terms of you know what the decision was. But I do think that, in hindsight, they should have waited at eight and taken J- uh, Justin Fields, never traded for Sam Darnold, and really gotten the five years of a QB that I think would be very good. Uh, but really, J.C. Horn in itself was an excellent pick. I think he was my cornerback one, probably top defensive player in this class. A great talent, a great acquisition for this team. I love the Panthers draft overall, you know, getting pieces like Davion Nixon in the late round, adding a guy like Terrace Marshall who has history with Joe Brady. I think even though I'm not as high on Marshall, I really get the decision. Um, adding guys like Keith Taylor late, adding guys like Deontay Brown on the offensive line, you know, there's pieces in this draft that I think could very well start early for this team and be able to succeed. And for the Panthers, I really think that, you know, they knocked this draft out of the park. Tommy Tremble, a developmental tight end, but I think he offers a lot both as a run blocker and potential upside receiver. So look for 
the Carolina Panthers draft to be looked at in a few years as one that really hit a lot of needs and got a lot of talent. All right, look at the next 10 picks here, and you can chime in or whoever you want, but I'll just quickly go through it. Uh, you know, Sertain, the second, he goes to the Broncos, which the Cowboys were freaking out because that's who they were targeting. Uh, and they end up trading back two spots to 12 because they were still looking to go defense. The Eagles move up. They get the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. The Bears, they take Justin Fields after trading up with the Giants. The Cowboys then, who get the pick from Philadelphia via San Francisco, via Miami. So that pick was traded four times, which was wild. They take Micah Parsons from linebacker to Penn State, who there was some question marks about his off-the-field stuff. Uh, the Jets take Elijah Vera Tucker, Mac Jones to the Patriots. Zayvon Collins at 16, I like it. You had him going later on in the draft around the, the end of the first round, but I think he's going to be an awesome linebacker, and he can move all over the place, much like their pick last year in the first round of the draft, so that's good for the Cardinals' defense. Uh, and then the Raiders take Alex Leatherwood. I don't know what they're thinking there. I mean, that was, I think that was a reach at that point in the draft. Jalen Phillips, the, uh, the first defensive end off the board, he stays in Miami, from Miami, going to the Dolphins. And the Washington football team then takes Jamin Davis. So your thoughts on, on that group there, the, the teams, so to say. Yeah, and it seems like the Raiders have this kind of blueprint for what prospects they like, and it definitely goes against the norm of the league and consensus opinion. Uh, Jamin Davis for the Washington football team, I really like the pick. I get that a lot of people thought this was a reach, but I think the talent is absolutely there. The upside is there. If they can add some weight and play strength to him, I think he's going to be a star in this linebacker class. I really like the acquisition of Saving uh, Collins' versatility and really just ability to move around. I think we're going to see some production both off the edge and at linebacker for him. He covers like no other, and really just getting some play strength is absolutely huge for him. You know, we talked about some of these other picks already, but Elijah Vera Tucker, I think, is absolutely huge. Invest in your quarterback, protect him as well as you can. And I think the opportunity has really been accomplished. And, you know, just another pick that I liked in that range of just mid-round picks that I think are going to hit very well. The the guy that I like the most is the upside pick there, Jalen Phillips. You know, the medical issues were there, and that's probably why he fell the way he did. But if there weren't medicals, this guy was probably the top 10 pick. And I think there's just so much talent here and upside, great frame. I think he's going to be used wonderfully by Brian Flores, one of the best defensive minds in football. And if you bring that in, all of it mixed together. There is going to be some incredible, scary upside there. Yeah, that about our next grouping here. We talked about Tony. Uh, or then we got Quiddy Pay goes to the Colts. Twenty-one. Caleb Farley to the Titans. Twenty-two. Uh, the Vikings take Darisaw, which I thought was a great pick there at twenty-three. You nailed it. Najee Harris to the Steelers at twenty-four. The Jaguars then take Etn at twenty-five. So your thoughts on that right there. And Rick points out, finds interesting that many mocks did not see running backs taken in the first, well, uh, let alone two. And there was a quick run there on running backs. Yeah, I really like the Farley pick and the Darisaw pick. I think Farley has incredible upside. Another situation where it's kind of more because of medicals as to why he fell the way he did. Tennessee, huge need at cornerback. Great talent available. 
great mix of both looking at the board, looking at your talent and need. And I think the Tennessee Titans knocked out of the park. I really like Darisaw. I think he's going to hold down that left tackle spot for Minnesota. And really, if you just give him time to work into that Minnesota scheme, I think he's going to be a special talent. I really like the pick. And I really like Darisaw in terms of what he offers as a prospect. Minnesota, great selection, great draft overall. All right, and then to round out the first round, you had Greg Newsom the second to the Browns. The Ravens take Rashad Bateman. We'll see how that works with with uh, Jackson, the target friend. Peyton Turner from Houston goes to the Saints, the defensive end. Eric Stokes, the cornerback from Georgia, goes to the Packers. So now for every single year that Aaron Rodgers has been a quarterback for the Packers, they have yet to draft an offensive player in round one for him. Obviously not happy about that. Uh the Bills take Gregory Rousseau. I think that was a great pick. I was mentioning on your mock drafts and Bills needs. I said they need to get they need to get a defensive end. They got to get into Mahomes' face. That's the strategy there. So I like that pick for them. Uh, Jason Oa, Oa from Penn State goes to the Ravens, which I think is a tremendous pick. They're following the same strategy there. Of how can we beat Mahomes? And then to close it out, the champs, the Bucks take Joe Tryon, the linebacker from Washington. Yeah, I absolutely love what the Ravens did. Rashad Bateman probably shouldn't have gotten this far, and they were able to get him without moving up or anything, and it's huge that you invest in your quarterback, get him some wide receiver weapons. I think Bateman may have a little bit of a slower rookie year than a lot of people anticipate, but there's going to be a lot of upside here, and if they can develop his ability against man coverage, he's going to find a way to succeed regardless, but if they can get him to take those next steps, then he could be an absolutely special weapon and be huge for Lamar to take those next steps as a passer. Yep. And uh, day day two, we'll just get your similar thoughts on this here. But some notable picks, you know, Elijah Moore to the Jets, uh, Javante Williams to the Broncos, Landon Dickerson, who you're very high, went to the Eagles. Uh, the, the Patriots just pick as many Alabama players as they can. I don't know how many times him and Nick Saban spoke during the draft, but I'm sure it was quite a few times. Christian Barrymore, who you're very high on, goes there as well. Tevin Jenkins to the Bears. Uh, so some good talent there. Asante Samuel Jr., he goes later on to the Chargers. And I wanted to you know, point out earlier that Rick said that the Chargers and Lions lucked out and run, run with the, the runs on wide receiver. Yeah, I think Herbert and uh, Goff are very happy getting the, the two guys they got there in, in Slater um, to protect Herbert um, and, of course, Sewell to protect Goff. Uh, but, yeah, overall – lot of talent there um you know we mentioned Rondell Moore went to the Cardinals uh so you know some good guys being picked here Trey Sermon actually went earlier than I expected he goes around three to the 49ers Amari Rogers from uh Clemson goes to Green Bay so maybe Aaron Rodgers is happy about that and another another Rodgers in the building but uh your thoughts on round two and three yeah I think the top Round two picks I really liked were Asante Samuel to the Chargers. I think they absolutely needed an outside corner, and I think Asante Samuel Jr. is going to do that very well. Chris Harris, obviously, in the slot. I think Samuel is going to be a great outside corner for them. And then Dylan Radins to the Tennessee Titans. They hadn't needed right tackle. It sounded like they maybe weren't going to address it, but they ended up doing so. And with pick like Radins, I think that's absolutely high caliber, great you know, talent and availability there works out perfectly for the Tennessee Titans. And then a round three pick, Alan McNeil out of North Carolina State was my top defensive tackle in this class. And the charge or the Lions being able to get him in the third round, I think is absolutely a great pick. And then really you kind of look at later on in the draft. I really like Patrick Jones 
to the Minnesota Vikings, getting him in the third round, being able to add a talent like that, that's probably going to be able to start or at least rotate plenty in the season is absolutely huge. Baron Browning with that last third round pick is absolutely huge for the Broncos as well. And Rick is a big fan of round four, the Panthers selecting Chuba Hubbard. Uh, this is the best name in the draft. So Michael, real quick here, you know, take us through the rest of the rounds if you want to give us some guys, but who could we be potentially seeing our Rockman's rookies of the week coming from rounds four through seven? Yeah. So some of the guys that I really liked were falling in this class and we could even see some UDFAs put up some great seasons Tamori and Terry for the Seattle Seahawks is one that comes to mind. But in that seventh round, there's two guys that I really liked and I want to give shout outs to as guys that I think could really potentially become stars in the league, especially as early as rookie year. And that's Kerry Vincent, who went to the Denver Broncos, will have to battle with Bryce Callahan for snaps out of that slot position. But I think he absolutely offers talent and could potentially be the long term slot option. And then Garrett Dokes, running backs out of Cincinnati, I think is going to take that starting job in Miami and run with it. If you're looking for a guy, for your 15th round pick in fantasy football that you want to be a hit, an absolute steal, look for Garrett Dokes. That's all we got for you today on Destination Draft Day. We got to get out of here. We're running against the clock. Thank you to everyone in the comment sections and everyone who chimed in to watch across Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And thank you to LandryFootball.com for the opportunity to speak on it. That's all for the 2021 NFL Draft on Friday. 2022 begins, and we'll see you guys then. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.